today we're in a really, some tough passages, Romans 6 and 7, and Paul is going to use questions. He uses five questions in these two chapters to, to continue his explanation of, of the gospel. But before, before we get into his questions, I have a question for you. Can a person change? Can someone that has anger issues or um, is just is, uh, insecure, has anxiety, whatever, can, can you change? Well, uh, I worked for Dean Lee Cohen at the College of Liberal Arts for about seven years, and I loved Dean Cohen. Um, he's not a believer, but we had great conversations, and one time this came up. He's a psychologist. He's a professor of psychology, and he said people don't change, and I was shocked. First of all, he's a psychologist. Don't people go to psychologists so they can learn how to change? <laughs> you know? And, but then when I really, really, really thought about it, I thought as a, as a believer, I've seen God work in so many lives, my, my, mainly in mine, but throughout scripture, how many lives have been changed by the beauty of the gospel? And that's what we're gonna really be talking about today. Um, so before we jump right into it, Romans. What, those of you that have been here, uh, uh, a brief recap. What is Romans about? There's news. What kind of news? Well, first there was bad news, <laughs> then good news, and then there's going to be um, life um, uh, in the good news. So the way it's um, the way it's structured is this. Chapters 1 through 11 are talking about that bad news and good news. We, we, we know the bad news is 1 through 3, and we're glad we're past that. Now we're in 5 through 11, right in the middle of it, where we're learning more and more and more about the good news of the gospel. After that, in 12 through 16, we get into some real practical um, information from Paul and, and exhortation and encouragement from him on how to live because of this good news. So Romans is such, such, such a terrific book because it really is Christianity 101. That's what we're, what we're talking about. So what was the um, last, what was the bad news that we learned in 1 through 3? Do I? We're not just under the water, we're and what's on top of us? Walmart. Walmart is on top of us. Yeah. <laughs> we are, t that's Anna's, I'm going to use her. Anna, uh, we, we're, we're lost. We're, we're dead. And, and everybody is. It's not, just, it's not just those bad people out there. It's all of us before Christ were dead. And um, so that's the bad news. He paints that picture very well. But he does that to, um, to um, make the good news even better. And so what is the good news? Jesus. Jesus and God. <laughs> That's the Sunday school answer. Yeah, Jesus is the, is the good news because he, we don't stay there. He, because of what we learned last week, we don't have to stay at the bottom of the sea. So what were some of the things that we learned from Brian last week? God likes us? Yes, and he likes it so much. What did he do? There was a there was a drawing that he did that I'm gonna I'm gonna put back up here. Uh, if this is Jesus, 
and, the, and I'm here, what do I give to Jesus? My sin, and what does Jesus give to me? I'm going to do an R for righteousness because I can't write it. What is that called, that, whole, that one-time thing? It's a long word. Justification, and it's just as if. I've never seen I learned that in fifth grade. Uh, so it still, it still works. Justification. All right, big word for a one-time thing where, where when, when you're converted and you ask Jesus into your heart, your sin goes to him, his righteousness comes to you. And that was, that's, that's the, the gospel, that's what he talked about last week. We're going we're gonna, to, um, he ended last week, though, talking, uh, saying that you are either one of two things. You're either in Adam or in Christ. And I love that he ended with that because that's right where I wanted to pick up. Uh, I, lo- I get to do a chart today, so I'm very happy and very excited. We got four quadrants, and we're going we're gonna, to, for all of this information in chapter six and seven, there's a lot of this and that, and it just kind of, all, all these questions. I just needed a way to sort it out and make it make more sense. So I came up with this little thing. We're going to look at um, what life is like before justification. So this is before because Paul talks a lot about life before Christ and then uh, before justification, then life after justification. So if this is like a timeline, you're moving this way. Before, before you know Jesus, you're in Adam. And before, after you know Jesus, you're in Christ. That's just, that's a fact. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, so... Um, it's really about identity. Who is your identity in? Like we talked a lot about identity the first time I was up here. And um, I, I, I don't know if it's because it's on my mind, but I really picked up on where is your identity? Is it in other things? Is it in Jesus or is it in other things? Anything else is not Jesus. So um, that's really what we're going to kind of be focusing on is um, our identity in Christ. All right? Um, now, to, we're going to look at two words that come up a lot in this, these two chapters. Sin comes up a lot, and law comes up a lot. So what, what do we, when I say the law, can y'all see? This seems very far away. Um, what is the law? The, the commandments, the Bible. Um, Jesus, huh? There, there was religious law, that, a lot of that in the Old Testament is really, really confusing, but very important when you, when you understand what it was there for. Um, Jesus summarized the law in two things. Love God and love others. So that's really what the Ten Commandments are about when you think about, about it. The first four have to do with loving God. The last six have to do with loving others. So love God, love others, that's the law. So when we talk about law, that's what we're talking about, really, is loving others. Love God. So what is sin? I'm sorry. I'm making y'all work so hard. Y'all are having to think and come up with answers. Just just talk, Ab. Don't make me do anything. Um, What were you going to say about sin? Bingo. Not loving 
God or others. Okay, so um, this sets up our quadrants. We're going to see how sin, how Paul teaches us about sin when we're in Adam and how he teaches us about sin when we're in Christ. We're also going to talk about the law, the law before we're justified. What is our relationship to that law? And then what is our relationship after we're in Christ? So are y'all with me? All right, let's jump into... Let's jump into chapter 6, but uh, before we do, I, w- I just want to pray again and ask God to, um, to bless us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we approach your throne and we approach your, um, your word together, I pray that your spirit would be at work, that you will um, give me the words to say, and, um, and, and give us all hearts to hear you speak. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, Romans chapter 6. Let me just, um, we're going to see first this relationship, our relationship to sin. Um, I'm going to read the first four verses. This, there's so much, so much in here, we're only going to read certain passages. I'm going to kind of guide you through that. All right, Romans 6, dead to sin, alive to God. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can he who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So his first question is saying, should we keep on sinning so there'll be more grace? If you look at chapter 5, the last verse of chapter 5, he is talking about... Um, Adam's disobedience and, and, God, and Christ's obedience and he said um, uh, now the law came to increase the trespass law came to increase sin so he's thinking somebody's going to say okay should I keep sinning so there'll be um, more grace the more I sin there'll be more grace let's do, you know, let's, let's do that and, and Paul's saying what, what does he answer what is his three word answer by no means we're going to see that a lot. So be ready. That's one thing you can do. You can remember this because it's going to happen a few more times. All right. Um, so the explanation he gives is, no, you don't keep sinning so there will be more grace. You have died to sin, so you can't live in it anymore. So uh, When you're in Adam, before you're justified, you are considered dead in sin and dead to God. Okay? Um, that's the picture of being at the bottom of the ocean with a Walmart, Walmart on top of you. I don't know. that. I just can't get that out of my mind. I'm picturing this bubbles coming up from Walmart, you know, as it sinks down and is on top of me. So, um, so he talks about b- baptism in here, and just a quick word, and, and a lot of what I'm doing today is from Michael Kruger, his study, which is fantastic. If you want to access it, let me know. I get it to you. It's 45 talks on Romans that are fantastic. Um, bapti- when it says baptized into his death, it's another way of saying our conversion, that our conversion, symbolized by baptism, joins us to Christ in his death. Whether you sprinkle or or donk, baptism symbolizes lots of different things, and one of those is being united to Christ. So that's kind of the, the, the quick answer to that, but that, there's a whole lot of more we could say about that. All right, so now we, we go to verses 5 through 10. Um, he describes how once someone's justified, 
our sins go to Jesus, Jesus' righteousness comes to us. Um, we're united with Christ. Everything that happens to him happens to us. He died, so we've died. He died on the cross. Uh, verse 6 says, We know that our old self, when we were at Adam, was crucified with him in order that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So this is our old self. Pre-justification. Um, so... What happens to Christ happens to us. He died, we died, but he is alive. He rose, so we're alive. Uh, verse 4, just as Christ was raised from the dead, that we too might walk in newness of life. That newness of life is our new self. Now, um, what does verse 11 say about our condition after justification when we are in Christ. Let's read it. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. So we are, we were dead in our sin here at the bottom of the ocean. Here we're dead to sin. Sin doesn't have power over us. And also we're alive to God. So in Christ in Adam, we're dead in our sin, and, and we can't obey. In Christ, we're dead to sin, dead to sin and al but alive to God. Um, the thing about being um, dead to sin and alive to God here is that we can please God now. We don't have to sin. We're dead to it. We, we can please God. Over here, we can't please God because we're, we're too sinful. All right. So that was the first question. Um, this, this is also described, Paul describes this in other passages in Galatians 2.20, which is one of my favorite. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And also Colossians 3.3, 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We are in Christ. We have died with him on the cross to our sin, but we've we're alive to God. We're, we're, we have a new life. It's a new birth. Um, born again, that's what it's about. It's a new birth when we are in Christ. So... He keeps exploring this, the sin um, relationship with the second question that we see in um, chapter 6, verses 15 and following. I'm just going to read um, a couple of these verses, starting in 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or, of, or of, of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you are committed and having, and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. So his question here is very similar to the first one. Um, are we to sin because we're not under law but we're under grace? 
You know, can I live however I want, is what they're saying. And there, there are Christians today that kind of have a, a, a view of this where I've been saved so I can do whatever I want. And there is some freedom. There is lots of freedom in Christ. But, but we are still slaves, in a sense. Um, so how does Paul answer his, himself? Can I live however I want? What's the answer? By no means. Thank you. I'm so glad Kathy's right here because she's gonna, she's gonna pop it right out. <laughs> All right. What, by no means, and, and we are not. We can't just keep on sinning because uh, we are now. We were slaves of sin or disobedience. But now we're slaves of what? And that can be, we're slaves of, of Christ, righteousness, I'm going to do an R, or obedience, all the same thing. Just maybe it's easier to picture. We were sla- slaves of sin and, and disobeyed when we were in Adam. But now that we're in Christ, we're still slaves. You've got to serve somebody. Um, everybody serves somebody. And that reminded me of a song by Bob Dylan, and I, want, I was going to play it, <laughs> but I, I didn't have time to fool with the, the, um, the technology, so I'm just going to read. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to read. And I've never read the, the words before, so it's really interesting. I'm just going to do the first verse. Okay. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You might be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And he's exactly right. We all serve either ourselves or Christ. If we serve ourselves, we're slaves of disobedience. We're in Adam. We're serving not the creator, we're serving the creation. And so Bob Dylan had it right. Um, he even said it may be the devil or maybe the Lord. I, I think he became a Christian. I may be wrong, but I believe he became a, a believer. So thank you. Thank you, Bob Dylan, for that illustration. Now, um, in the last verses of this chapter, he goes into a, a description of the slaves of disobedience and the slaves of He compares them. Um, our life before Christ, the master is sin, and our actions, in our actions we obey that sin. You have no power to do anything except what your master wants. And the pattern is sin leads to more sin. Verse 19, he says, um, lawless, uh, you're slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. It just, it just keeps getting, getting more and more deep into sin. And and even hardened to sin, I think. So the result of this disobedience is what? What's the ultimate result? Did I hear death? On the other hand, if you're in Christ, you're a slave to righteousness, you're bound, you serve him, Um, your master is Christ, right? And your actions are you want to obey, and that's verse 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. You want to obey. It's a whole new 
uh, and we'll, we'll get into this more later, a whole new view of what the law is about. Um, so you want to obey. Um, righteousness leads to more righteousness. There's a technical term for that, and it's sanctification. That's what sanctification is. As you grow in your understanding of, of God and, and you want to be more like him, you're, you're being sanctified in this life. Now, it's a trajectory toward heaven. And once we're, when we're in heaven and Christ comes again, we'll be perfectly holy. We'll be able to handle the glory of God at that time. But we can't right now. And so we are on this, this path towards being saints in heaven. So, but we're already called saints, remember, in, in, in chapter 1. We're saints on this road, this trajectory toward holiness. And so um, obedience leads to what? life and that life starts now and then it continues forever that's what's so great about the gospel is we live that new life right now we don't we don't have to just wait until we get to heaven to enjoy the the wonderful abundance of God's love and his and his grace and his his many facets we can start enjoying that now we have that relationship now it's just going to be perfected when we're in heaven so if we look at at sin this these two quadrants um, what are some things that we what is my relationship to, to sin if I'm in Christ what are some things um, that I, that I have now that I'm in Christ. We have the Holy Spirit living in us, empowering us to live in Christ. Yes. I don't have to sin. Whereas here I had to, I, I had to sin. When I'm in Christ, I don't have to sin anymore. Jesus conquered death and sin, but sin does still have some some hold over and is still there's still sin in the world until he comes again and i think god leaves that leaves that sin in to to sharpen us to keep us to help us become more like him and so we have to we're going to talk about this more later um but another relationship we have to sin in christ is we have eternal life now because our sin has been taken care of jesus has taken care of it so um, I won't be punished for my sin anymore. That's the good news. Jesus took that punishment. Um, and I'm not ruled by the power of sin. When you're, before you're in Christ, that power, he, sin reigns over you. But when you are in Christ, he, Christ is on the throne. Christ is reigning in your life. And, you, and he has power over, over sin. All right. Let's move on to the law. And remember, the law is basically loving God and loving others. Um, Chapter 14, I mean, verse 14 of chapter 6 kind of sets up this section. Um, For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. So here under Adam, if you're in Adam, you're under the law. And what are you under if you're in Christ? You're not under the law, you're under grace. All right. Um, so, question three. Um, seven, chapter 7, verse 1. Or do you not know, brothers, 
For I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. Now, we don't have a by no means in this case. This is, he's really asking, how long am I under the law? Um, and, and he gives the answer in 7.4. He says, likewise, my brothers, you have also died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, another, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit to God. So when you're in Adam, you're under the law as long as you're in Adam. And um, in, if you're in Christ, you're under grace um, as soon as you are converted. So you're not under, as soon as you are converted, um, you're not under the law anymore. All right, he gives this um, great example of marriage that, that it's, it's in the legal world, if you die, and many, generally there's a principle that if you die, you, your legal um, thing, things that you're connect, com, um, connected to are gone away. So like if someone's married, if the spouse dies, you're free to marry again. Your, your legal obligation to be, to be married to that person is gone because they're, they're, they're gone. Um, so um, that's the example he uses. And what he's saying is since you've died in Christ to sin, you're not legally obligated to the law anymore. So that's great news. Um, and, and the marriage, he uses this marriage example, but it, it really is implying that we're married to Christ. We used to be married to sin, and now we're married to, to Christ. And the Bible speaks of the marriage all through it. We know, especially in Ro Romans, the, um, the bride of Christ is in the marriage feast of the Lamb. All, all throughout Scripture, believers in his kingdom are, are considered the bride and Christ is the bridegroom and we are we're married to him and that is and and it, and it, it it's like we are united to him we're in union with him just like a marriage the two become one and we want to we want to please and serve our our partner and we we love our partner our partner loves us and sacrifices for us so um, another way of, of being in Christ is thinking that I'm married to him all right, the results of this, um, of, of the law, of, of being under grace and not the law, is, is in um, verses 5 and 6. <clears throat> For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having di died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So, before... Um, before justification, there was an old way, that old self, that was the written code, the written law, and that led, um, bear, bear fruit for death. The fruit was death. And over here, when we're in Christ, there's a new way, and what is that the way of? What does it say? New way of the Spirit, and what do we bear fruit for? For God. 
All right, so he, we see the comparison and the con contrast that the law, the, the law still has a purpose, and we're going to get to that right now, but we're living in a new way, and we're, we're living because of the spirit that's in us, in our hearts, and, and it enables us to bear fruit for God. So um, totally different from the old way of the written, written code, trying hard to obey, but, but you're not able to because you're dead in your sin. All right, so, um, so now in, in verse 7 and 8, um, we, Paul's still talking about the law. What then shall we say, that the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. So um, is the law sin? That's the question that, that he anticipates somebody answering, asking. And what's the answer? By no means. The law is not sin. Um, he, goes, he explains that the purpose of the law there in, in, in verse 7, for, for one, there are several purposes for the law. One of it is to show me my sin, and that's what he explains. I wouldn't know what it is to covet if, some, if you said don't covet. And you, you know when you see don't walk on the grass, you absolutely want to walk on that grass, right? Um, that's just our, our human nature is to buck up against what the rule is. All right, so the law, if, but the law there shows us your sin, but the law also stirs up sin that is in me. In verse 8, um, sin seizes the opportunity. So the law presents this standard, and then sin, uh, the sin in you wants to, um, it stirs it up that I want to sin because I know what it is. But it also exposes how deep my sin is when you really, really allow yourself to think about, um, you know, what you're doing. Um, but that ex exposes sin, and that drives us to Jesus because then you realize, I can't. Jesus, you've got to take it. Um, so bottom line is, in verse 12, he tells us what is the law. The law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. The law that we said, love God and love others, is, is the law is a reflection of who God is. He loves. He loves. He is a God of, he is holy. He is perfect. Um, the law represents, his, uh, reflects his character, and it's his standard for, for holiness. And so we need the law in order to understand the significance of what Jesus did here. But we need the law so that we know we're sinners, and that, that, but that Jesus took that sin, and, and Jesus was perfect. He, he perfectly kept the law, and that's how he can be our perfect substitute. So we couldn't keep the law at, at all. We're bad. But Jesus did keep all the law. He's good, and he takes that bad from us, our sin, and gives us his good, his righteousness. So the law is not bad. The law is holy, and it, and it is our, um, it is, it, it is a reflection of, of who God is. All of those ceremonial laws, the, the clean and unclean and all that, I'm in Leviticus now. When you start reading the Bible through the year, you know, you, you get to this and you're trudging through. But I read, a, uh, Nancy Guthrie had a really interesting um, take on all that clean and unclean is because God is so holy and he wants to give pictures of what is going to be perfect 
holiness in heaven. And a lot of the unclean animals were things that had killed other animals. And, and he, he, these were all little pictures that drive, um, drive us to see. He's headed, we're headed toward heaven where creation will be perfect again. And a lot of that purification, some of it, some of the laws were for helping the, the Israelites um, in health ways, but a lot of it is showing God's holiness. So, um, so now we get to another question. Question five, the final question, is in verse 13. Um, did that which is good bring death to me? That which is good, the law, we said it's good. Did it bring death? By no means. Oh, I answered. Uh, what's the answer? Okay. Um, what brought death? Sin brought death. And remember, the law just is that post that says this is, this is the, the, the um, or a pole, like for pole vaulting, this is the pole you've got to get over, and um, sin is, trying to, is, is what's getting over that pole, um, trying to at least. So we've seen that the law shows us our sins, and we've established that it's sin that brings death. The wages of sin is death. Um, so our relationship to the law can be really summarized that when you're in Adam and under the law, you really can't keep the law. You're, you're, you're under it and it's overwhelming. You can't keep it. It's, you, you might can think you, you can do some things, but you can't keep the law. But when you're under grace, you're freed from that, but you're, 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 you're freed from having to keep it because Jesus kept it for you, but now you have a new heart, a new you want to obey just like you want to, to please and, and, and serve your husband. You want to serve your, the, the bridegroom, Christ, so you have a new view of the law. Um, now, in the rest of chapter 7, Paul is open and honest about his struggle with sin, and this is just such a beautiful, it's a hard section, but it is so beautiful because Paul's being real here. He's being very vulnerable. And let's just see what he says. Verses 15 through 18. Um, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want to, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I don't do what I do not want, I agree with the law that is good. So it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. And then move on down to verses 22 through 24. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He is struggling. He is, he is struggling between, he knows he's in Christ. He knows sin shouldn't reign over him, and he's not under the law. He has a new self. He's new. Um, he, he has a, he's a new person in Christ, and, and he delights in the law, in his inner being, yet he sees another law at work, a principle at work, of where he still struggles with sin. He's struggling. Can anybody relate to that? <laughs> I love it. Paul is, is saying, it's going to be a struggle, and it's okay. Who does he run to? 
He runs to Jesus in, in verse 25. Thanks be to God. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but my flesh, with my flesh I serve the law of sin. He's saying there's going to be that sin that we're, the Christian life is a fight against sin. Um, it's it's going to be ongoing for as long as we're on the, um, as long as we're here. This, the fight is over when we're in heaven. We are going to have rest, eternal rest. We won't be fighting sin anymore. It is going to be fantastic. But until we get there, we're going to have struggles. And in fact, if you ha having struggle is an indication or a mark that you really believe in Jesus, because you are that that sin bothers you. If the sin doesn't bother you. You're a slave to it, but if, if your conscience is, is affected, if you're struggling because you know you, with some certain sin that, that keeps, um, they used to call it besetting sin, that, that just keeps coming up and up and up, and that's good news. It's good that you're struggling. Run to Jesus. Repent and believe and run to Jesus just like, just like Paul did. Um, so um, in the gospel, beautiful. I, I want to I, I tell Dean Cohen, you're wrong. <laughs> people can change and, and people do change when Christ comes into your heart and takes your sin away and you're a new person. You have a totally new identity. People can change. Um, so what are some of the things, uh, uh, again, if I'm in Christ, what is that new identity? What, what, I, what, am, what are some more things I can do or I, I have or I know? I have, I have power over sin, right? Um, I'm motivated to serve God because of, the, because of the grace that he's shown me. Law still has a role. Law, the law is good and holy. And his word, that's why we read his word. His word is the law. That's, Jesus was the word in flesh. And so um, my purpose in life, I have a new purpose in life when I'm um, in Christ, my purpose is to serve him and to be on that trajectory of sanctification and to love others and love God. I have, um, I know my destiny. I know where I'm going. I'm going to be with him forever. We're going to be together forever um, without that struggle of sin. So I just want to say, if you're not sure about your relationship with Christ, I want to encourage you to think about these things. And ask yourself, do I want that freedom that Jesus offers, offers? He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give rest to your soul. He's there. He's there saying, come. Would you hear his call and, and go to him? If you have questions, talk to me or, or Anna or anybody that you trust, and let's talk through it because Jesus is calling. And he wants you to enjoy life now, that full life now, living in him. If you are in Christ, I want you to think about these things too. And, and, and think about your new identity. You are a child of God. You are a daughter of the king. You are in Christ. Um, when, when you struggle with sin, run to think of that identity and resist that 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 sin with the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, you're going to struggle, but run to Jesus. He wants to give you rest. He wants to give all of us his rest now and eternally. Thank you. Now, 
what time is it? Oh, we have some time. I, there's a beautiful hymn. William Cowper wrote a beautiful hymn, Love Constraining to Obedience. Now, that, I didn't know what constraining means in that context, but it means love that is struggling towards obedience, okay? And it's a, oh, I shouldn't get in front of that. It's a beautiful hymn that, um, would you pass those back there too, um, that really captures a lot of what we've talked about today. Um, I would sing it for you, but, you know, I can't sing. So there's that. And um, can y'all pass that around? Wait, I need one. I'm just going to read these words. And um, if you have an inkling, um, Rachel Smith, if you want to Google Rachel Smith, Love Constraining to Obedience, is a beautiful version of this hymn. Um, And we've sung it before. There there are several different versions. But um, the, the... the wording is the phrasing is 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 more formal than we than we talk, but the words are beautiful. So let me just read it as we close. Love constraining to obedience. No strength of nature can suffice to serve the Lord aright, and what she has she misapplies for want of clearer light. How long beneath the law I lay in bondage and distress, I toiled the precept to obey, but toiled without success. Then to abstain from outward sin was more than I could do. Now if I feel its power within, I feel I hate it too, that struggle. Then all my servile works were done, a righteousness to raise. Now freely chosen in the Son, I freely choose His ways. What shall I do was then the word, that I may worthier grow. What shall I render to the Lord is my inquiry now. To see the law by Christ fulfilled and hear his pardoning voice changes a slave into a child and duty into choice. And I think that sums it up. Let me me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just... Praise your name that you have taken us. You've opened the prison, and we are slaves no longer to sin, but we belong to you, and you are a loving Father. You, you um, have given your life for us, Lord, and now I just ask that you would help us to give our lives back to you as we seek to grow in our holiness, as we seek to understand you more and your word. Lord, I just pray as, as, the, as we go to our small groups, Father, that you will bless our conversations. And I pray that you will just work in our hearts. Help us to love you more and more. Help us to turn to you and find our rest in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.